This is Live from the Table, a Comedy Cellar affiliated, loosely, podcast. Oh. Uh, coming at you on uh, Sirius XM 99, Raw Dog, and the Laugh Button Podcast Network. Dan Natterman here. Noam Dwarman still in Israel. He will not be Zooming because it is late and he's probably out with Coleman drinking again. Um, but uh, Coleman uses with him. Uh, I'm not exactly sure what they're doing there, but they are there at the request of the government, I think. Correct. I'm not precisely sure for what purpose. In any case, uh, he won't be here, but that means that there'll be a little less politics, perhaps. Oh, great. And maybe a little more fun. I, maybe. Politics can be fun. I mean, they're not now, but in the past. They can be. Um, that was the voice of Caitlin Bailey, who's our guest today. Um, well, first let me introduce Periel Ashenbrand. She is our producer, uh, as she has been called. Uh, there's been some controversy regarding that title. Uh, in any case, uh, we have with us also, uh, Max, the sound man, because Nicole's not here. I don't know if she's at a family gathering in Binghamton. I don't know what she's doing. She's in Tennessee, I think. What the hell is she doing there? Her family's there. I thought she's from Binghamton. She is originally, but her parents moved to Tennessee. Well, I don't know how that's going to work. <laughs> Binghamton people in Tennessee doesn't seem like it's a good fit. But anyway, Maxwell, what's your last name? Marcus. Max Marcus is our sound man today. Uh, it's normally Nicole uh, Lyons, as you know. <clears throat> but I'm sure Max will do a fine job. And we have Caitlin Bailey, comic writer and sex workers rights advocate and uh, Somebody I haven't seen in a while. Yeah, it's been a minute. I met her on a roof years ago yep. at a at uh, what's her name again? Oh, yeah. Kate Hendricks, yes. right? Yes, Kate Hendricks. I think that may, may have been my like first New York party. Uh, in any case, um, that was some some time ago, and then I don't know, and then she kind of went off on her own way, and uh, whatever. But here she is, and uh, going to talk about. Well, first of all, before you were a sex workers' rights advocate, you were a sex worker. Correct. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I did that twice in my life. First as a young person, you know, and like... You mean two separate... Yeah, two two separate stints, right? Stints, not, not, not like... Two... No, not events, right? Oh, It'd be okay, weird right, to build a whole career <laughs> off the thing I did two times. That'd be... I was going to say you must have been paid extremely well. Yeah, for... no, 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 no. That's called fundraising. It's a whole <laughs> different thing. Uh, but yeah, no, um, the first time I was a young person um, sort of rebelling against the George Bush, uh, W. Bush's abstinence-only sex education at the time, I felt like, you know, I was being lied to about my body, and I pushed back against that and did, like, the worst thing, and it was fine. Uh, then I went to college, then I worked in politics for a minute, got into stand-up comedy, and then I subsidized some careers, uh, some some years in comedy with, uh, with sex work. Um, now, the most people think, or many people think, that a sex worker is necessarily mentally ill, drug addicted, uh, that this is something that if you do it, that means there's something wrong with you. It's, it's a perception that I, I have to admit I have or have had. Sure. I mean, there's some uh, evidence there's something wrong with me. I did comedy for almost a year. Yeah, that's also so. evidence. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's definitely trauma. But uh, I think it's interesting. There, the stigma against sex work is very old. Uh, and it impacts a lot of people. But this false narrative that we have between, you know, exchanging erotic labor and violent exploitation or, you know, trafficking, this is the kind of thing that gets in the way of sex workers sharing their stories. And it's why people feel like I am an anomaly or unusual when, you know, all kinds of people have been doing this work for literally all of human history. So you don't agree that uh, being a sex worker necessarily means you're 
completely off the rails no, psychologically. Not. Yeah, absolutely not. One, no, one, can, one can do it and be a, a normal person, maybe even have a, a kids or what have you. Sex work has funded more careers, uh, scholarships, um, and arts, you know, entertainment, the arts, than all of the grants and all of the world combined. And yet your Grammy that I think it's fair to say no parent is bragging about their child, uh, the sex worker. Well, I mean, I think that has to do with stigma, right? You know, there was a time and there have been moments in history where sex workers were actually very high status, right? The priestess prostitutes of Mesopotamia or, you know, in the Aztec Empire, the, you know, uh, in the House of Women of Tazel Teotl. So it's not, well, you know. I never expected Tazel Teotl to yeah, come up so, <laughs> Yeah, so I mean, it's, uh, you know, the, we can make different choices about what careers we choose to elevate. But, you know, I'm the daughter of a soldier, so... You know, we live in a country that really celebrates uh, lots of jobs that I think, you know, his mother did not want him joining the army. She was very disappointed in in his choice. And I think that there are lots of examples of, you know, careers that people engage in that are not necessarily great for their mental or physical health, but it doesn't carry the same stigma and weight as sex work. And a lot of people do sex work, right, for their mental health, to spend more time with their kids, to you know, do the things that make life worth living. So I, I think it's interesting the way that this stigma has evolved. Well, would you, would you, if your daughter or son uh, came to you and said that they wanted to do this, what would your reaction be? Well, I'm not a mother yet, uh, but I would say that I would want my child in any kind of work that they were doing to be safe and to feel like they weren't operating under stigma and shame. You know, like we learn in 12-step programs that we're only as sick as our secrets. And so, you know, there's been a lot of hurt and a lot of human suffering from people trying to keep this a secret, right? Or people being shamed and stigmatized for it than for, you know, taking safety precautions and letting the folks in their life and their community know what it is that they're up to. Now, um, now so you, you're no longer doing sex work, is that? No, I'm no longer doing sex work. I'm doing political fundraising, which is worse in every imaginable way. Uh, as fundraising uh, for to destigmatize sex work. Correct. Yeah, I started a nonprofit media organization called Old Pros, and so we are working to which I follow on Instagram, and that's at Old Pros at Old Pros Online. Yeah, okay. we we send out a newsletter. We do a ton of content, um, and we're trying to change the status of sex, sex workers in society. The legal status? The legal and social status. I don't think we're going to get good laws until we change the story about sex work, which is where we're focused at Old Pros. Well, I, I, I think we might. Um, I mean, the way things are going, we have legal marijuana. At least we have legal gay marriage. So I think yeah. things are going in the direction that legal sex work can't be far behind. Change or, is possible. You know. Um, so, um, and, and are you still doing comedy? Um, I've got a one-woman show in development that has some funny bits, but it's best advertised as a history lecture uh, than a comedy show. And it's a history of sex work? Yeah, we cover 10,000 years um, of history from a sex worker's perspective in 75 minutes. Now, the the one thing I think you'll... Perel, do you have anything to... I mean, I have a lot. Oh, okay. Um, the one thing you'll grant me with, with regard to sex work, and maybe correct me if I'm wrong, is that... Um, you know, we uh, most jobs you get better at with experience. That's true. And, and, and what one could make the argument that the, that at least for some people, the most innocent, um, inexperienced sex worker would be at a premium. Ew, Dan. No, that's not how it works. You know. I mean, uh, wouldn't you want? Wouldn't you rather if you somebody going into the uh, into the 
brothel or whatever to have somebody's first day on the job might might be uh, you know, you might pay extra for that. I mean, I think you might be telling on yourself a little bit, Dan. Well, but wouldn't you, you want you don't somebody like women too experienced? Well, or, wouldn't you want? Well, first but... of all, it's it's <laughs> innoc- innocence is not something that I invented as a fetish. Sure, no, but I'm sorry. And, 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 all, and, yeah, and also, and, and also, you know, somebody that hasn't been with a multitude of men might certainly be appealing to many customers. Okay. Sorry, I've been quiet here just because you've been on a roll. But um, I spent a lot of time working in a, in strip clubs uh, when I was in my 20s. And I think that there are a couple of things going on that really um, need to be sort of articulated here. Number one, it's so interesting that the stigma around sex workers and dancers and strip clubs is there's this real like um, angel sort of innocence and then dirty sort of whore other side. And this is a fantasy that was really created to cater to, I mean, in large part, a patriarchal structure that fetishizes. No more here. He'd be, he'd be. Well, he's welcome to join in. Nobody (laughs) stopped him from coming, but it's true. I mean, you don't, really want to fuck a young girl who doesn't know what she's doing. You just want that experience, right? It's the status of right. chastity, right? Like when women became property, right? Maintaining their value and maintaining the idea of paternity became very important. And then, you know, the Catholic Church, of course, doubled down on the Madonna whore complex and a justification. Well, well, look, of- I, I'm not the one who invented the notion that a lot of guys like younger women. Yeah, they and, and do. As somebody who studied this issue for over a decade now, I can assure you that there are lots of experienced sex workers of a mature age who are making lots of money. Well, no, no doubt. But yeah. I, I, I think that what, what is it that an experienced sex worker? Um, I mean, other than other than expertise in in sexual act, acts. Might bring to the table. Listening, emotional maturity, good stories, right? I mean, there's a there's a connection there and there's a there's a craft, you know. What are uh I think you're more likely to wear your body out, right, going into a mine or working at an, you know, unregulated factory every day than you are engaging in the world's oldest profession. But also I feel like there's a really important psychological piece to all of this. Like I remember I was a cocktail waitress um, at a couple of different clubs and there was this strip such clubs, an, you said. strip clubs. Yeah. And there was this, such an interesting dynamic of the men who, you know, this is okay and this is good and this part is bad. And it's so contrived because they I mean, this, it's it's a whole fantasy that sex workers are fulfilling. Fulfilling, they're psychologists. Right. They're you know yeah. all of those they things. Play many roles. Yeah. Well, I guess they're mommy. I guess they can be depending <laughs> on. Yeah. I mean, sometimes well, well, what, some guys probably just want to like go fuck and then leave, but I think that in well, large part, talk, right? well, there's only one of us who really can answer that question. I think definitive. Well, I guess theoretically, I could ex- uh, answer that question, but I can only answer it as to what my needs would be. Well, in by that situation. all means, please but, answer it. Sounds like you like them young and dumb. <laughs> uh, I my favorite sex worker would be somebody that's not a full time sex worker, but somebody that's just um, making a little extra money on the side, maybe for college. 
could be for college, could be for could be for graduate school. Right. Could be to pay for her uh, for assisted living. Sure. <laughs> why? Why do you say that? That's interesting. What? Why? I, 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 somebody that I perceive as a regular person, that is, just says to me, hey, you know, I could use a little extra money. Uh, for some reason, that does it for me. Um, you know, uh, so and it's opposed, not necessarily uncommon. As opposed to like going to Las Vegas or for. As opposed to somebody that that's I, their gig. Somebody that's just a regular person. Has a normal job and, that's, and decides they want to make a little extra. And maybe we met out. I, I didn't, you know, maybe we met in a context where we, in a normal quote unquote context. Right. And uh, we became friends in a normal context. And and she proposed to me that, you know, I could pay her for sex. That that would be the most exciting thing. Really? For that's, me. That's great. Uh, sex work is uh, like a lot of other transient kind of jobs, right? Like sex work is a lot like being a waitress, right? Sometimes it's something that people do, right? Either on the side, right? To like pick up extra money. Some people make a career out of it, but it's, you know, it's all kinds of kinds. But the easiest way to lock somebody in into a, a truly devastating full-time sex work experience where they don't have any other options is to arrest them for prostitution. And once that happens, then you often create a situation where people are trapped. Well, I certainly agree. Not, no argument here that it should be legal. What two people do... Uh, of course not. It's what two people decide to do uh, consensually, you know, shouldn't be a, a crime. And it's going to... And in addition to which, it's going to happen anyway. Right. You know, and so, they should have health insurance. The same, the same way I feel about care. the same way I feel about drug use. You know, um, even harder drugs. Mm -hmm. I would make the same argument. People, right. you know, if, if people need help, we should help them if they're, you know, if they're addicts. But uh, we shouldn't make them criminals. Yes. Um, but can we just get back to what we were talking about earlier? You said, a, or somebody was saying, was it you, Periel, that a, that a sex worker can be a psychologist or mm -hmm. all these things. In your experience as a sex worker, what, did the, the, what, what kinds of things did men want from you other than just the sexual act? I, you know, to talk, to feel heard, to have their jokes laughed at by somebody who hasn't heard them a thousand times, you know, to feel like they were getting some attention. I think that that's a, a deep human need. I mean that you know that that's interesting. Um, but that's not what we have in mind when we think of sex work, of course. What are you asking me to describe, Dan? I'm simply asking you. Other than the sex act, you know, these people actually did did want uh, yeah, to talk to you and to feel like they were being paid attention to and to have a safe space to share. I think therapist is a really good analogy. I think that we've really stigmatized therapy for men, right? I think men are often bringing a lot of like hurt feelings into spaces like strip clubs or with escorts. Well, I mean, or, that's interesting because that's, you know, that's news to me. And I've learned something because I, I had just assumed that sex work was about sex right? and, and that, you know, and that uh, sometimes women would call themselves escorts, but that was just a nicer way of saying prostitute. It's also not, but not about the sex. And like, certainly, you know, escort and full service sex worker are often synonymous, right? Sex work is many things to many people. Right. Foot fetish models are sex workers, only fans, strippers, porn performers, content creators. Um, so it's, you know, it's a big, broad umbrella term. But like there's absolutely sex and it, it's the exchange of erotic labor. Right. For money or something of value. Can I just uh, interject? You had mentioned um, therapy is stigmatized for men. I just want to oh. because this is a comedy related podcast. Uh, I have noticed an explosion of therapy jokes. Um, they used to be nobody had therapy jokes. 
Uh, I don't know if I'm not saying Gullman was the first guy to do it, but Gary Gullman I'm talking about, and he had a whole uh, one man show, a whole HBO special. special devoted called The Great Depression, devoted to his experience with depression. In any case, whether or not he triggered all of this, I have noticed a lot of fucking therapy jokes. Are they good? That I never heard 10 years ago. It's 20 years ago. So I don't know if that says anything about our society or it's just a trend in stand-up comedy. Well, I do think that men are going to therapy. Well, men and, or, I'm saying well, men and both men and women are telling these jokes. So in well, general, it's... Yeah, of, but I do, I do think it's become less stigmatized. Mm-hmm. Mental health has become something that we talk about more freely. I mean, when I was growing up, you know, no, probably when you were growing up also, nobody talked about mental health, did they? I don't recall that, no. Yeah, no. Um, and, you know, I, I, I think the notion was if you went to see a therapist, you were crazy. Right. Um, Which may still and, be true. Well, you, you, and you certainly, you certainly have a problem. I don't know. I mean, crazy is a strong word, but you certainly, you know, you don't go to therapy if everything's going well, I don't think. Um, but anyway, I, I don't know if this is, just means that more people are going to therapy or just... For some reason, therapy has become a topic that comics like to talk about. Well, it's interesting, isn't it? I mean, I feel like it's, you know, a personal, interesting subject that really did. It is, but I didn't hear it 10 years ago. Because it was more taboo 10 years ago. Yeah. I certainly think that uh, therapies become more accessible, right? So it's in yeah. it's in the popular yes, culture more, right? For sure, it's easier to Google stuff. It's easier to find access to these resources. You have get, apps now yeah, that absolutely. you can text therapy. I mean, it's become part of the. We're living in a post Sopranos world. I do yeah. wonder, uh, or a post. Um, um, what was the name of that movie with Robert De Niro? Analyze this. Yeah. Well, that was already going back like twenty plus but years, but. Michael uh, Phelps. He yeah. in that big commercial that was all over the place where he was in that pool, that empty pool for talk space, which mm-hmm. became very popular, I don't know, within the past ten years. I, I wonder how these jokes would go over, say, in the Midwest, and whether there's still a discrepancy between us here in New York and, you know, uh middle America, whether they've gotten that whether whether therapy is become more mainstream even in those communities. I don't know, but probably I would imagine maybe not as much as New York, but I would imagine probably a little bit. Can we go back to something though? Cause I think that there are so many different kinds of sex workers and so many different ways in which people do that work. Mm-hmm. And I think that the quote unquote, um, kind of prostitute that I think that you're... Okay well, when I hear the word to, sex worker, I typically think of prostitution. Right. Sure. W- which I think is where the stigma comes from, too. It's like, it's this, easy to, like, yeah. stigmatize those girls sure. who do that. Which is often wrapped up in, right, like, poverty, yes, racism, yes, and substance abuse, of and, like, lots of other issues. That's right. Right, but, 100%. like, sex work has... And that's always been the most visible form of sex mm-hmm. work, right? Because you're talking about people that are, are street-based or sort of, like, you know, in, in public space. Well, they're easy to villainize also. Absolutely, absolutely. Easy to demonize. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the stigma of sex work is actually pretty ubiquitous. You know, there are legal strippers and legal porn performers that lose their kids or like get kicked out of nursing school a decade later or... Or whose kids get kicked out of private school in California because they're on OnlyFans. Exactly. But the, you know, the criminalized segment of sex work is absolutely, you know, full service... Well, 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 it was it comes to when it comes to the decriminalization of prostitution, 
that's something we can all, that's something we can work toward and probably accomplish. Yeah, I hope uh, so. When it comes to, I mean, other con- countries have accomplished it. Like we, New Zealand. It's been done really and obviously yeah. we can too. When it comes to yeah. how society views these things, that's a much tougher nut to crack. We've come pretty far with the gay rights movement. You know, I think that we can we can let go of a lot of old ideas that are no longer serving us, right? And this idea that the worst thing that um, a person, especially a woman, can do is, like, give other people, you know, pleasure in exchange for money feels bananas to me when you look at so many of the other jobs that are out I there think that it's are, like, even uh, actively bad for you. I think it's even more than that, though. I think it's about giving women autonomy. Correct. Um, over their bodies. I mean, it's well. Of course, there are male sex workers too. There are okay, absolutely. but yes, there are. Of course, but I mean, yeah. I'm not referring to them. I'm talking about women sex workers. People of all genders engage in this work. Obvi- of course, I, I think. Um, yeah. But it, there, there is something really powerful about. I mean, it's the, the same thing it's with abortion is because the way that we hate women. Yeah. Right. Yes, because 100%. like whorephobia is actually the foundation yes. of misogyny. Yes. Right. And it's like our yeah. whorephobia that justifies erasing Mary Magdalene from the Christian church. It's whorephobia that justifies policing the freedom of movement of women. It's whorephobia that leads to the criminalization of abortion mm-hmm. in the 1910s. Like we, this is a very old idea that has pushed women consistently out of public spaces for 6,000 years. And I don't think it's innate. I think it's a long con. And I think we've been really wrong about well, this I, for a really long time. I wouldn't rule out the innateness uh, possibility that, you know, I think if if your goal or if a goal is to have uh, prostitution, say, uh, become like any other job where a father say, oh, you know, my daughter, she, you know, she's doing, she's wonderful. She's, uh, she just graduated school and now she's, she's actually, uh, um, doing prostitution in New York and to say it as if it's a normal job. I think we have, I don't think that's ever going to happen. I think that's just an innate thing. Maybe, maybe not in your family. And I think that's a loss. You know, I think that we can open ourselves up to the idea of like, I'm so proud of my daughter for raising her family for doing what she needed to do to spend time with her kids. I'm so excited that my daughter is a hustler and is willing to do what needs to be done in order to keep her family together and to not stay with an abuser, which is a reason a lot of folks get into sex work, right? Or to put herself through nursing school or to like sex work opens so many doors and this old stigma of keeping people locked in terrible situations in the name of protecting them feels really wrong, right? Especially when we're... Well, I do think that you can't get away from the fact that, at least internationally, and I lived for a long time in Thailand, that a lot of girls, or maybe it's not fair to say a lot, but a segment of girls, especially very young girls, do turn to sex work because they have... No, no other, other choice. Absolutely. And so that that seems like Wrong. a little well, bit. Well, I, I think another option would be to try to give them another choice. Absolutely. You know, and I think that we can talk about ways of expanding access to services and the building blocks that we all need to move our lives forward. Right. Like domestic violence shelters are anti-trafficking. Right. Access to health care is anti-trafficking, access to subsidized childcare and education and housing. Like there are ways that we can reduce vulnerabilities across the board, but it has nothing to do with arresting people or doing, you know, raids on massage parlors or any of this stuff that we do in the name of anti-trafficking. And I think it's really important that we're really clear that we're talking about exploitation because there's nothing unique about the sex industry that makes it more susceptible to these kinds of dynamics. Desperate people do desperate things and debase themselves 
that's true across labor sectors, right? According to the U.S. Departments of Statistics, like own numbers, uh, the Labor Department, the overwhelming majority of people who are violently trafficked in this country are trafficked into domestic labor, into mining, and into agriculture. But all of the federal resources goes towards sex trafficking, where we're not spending money rescuing people or getting folks out of bad situations and getting them resources. We're spending money surveilling, arresting them, and saddling them with an arrest re record that makes it harder for them to do anything else. It's bananas. Now, well, th those are good points, but I, I, the one thing I will say is that, is, is that it, with regard to sex trafficking, now you have, uh, you know, women, I mean, we can all agree that sex against one's will is probably, I mean, arguably the, among the worst things that can happen. Absolutely. Rape is bad. We can all. Y you know, uh, dom domestic um, labor against one's will, uh, unpleasant though it might be. I'm I'm sorry. This is having. Uh, okay. Well, yeah, no, feel no, free to think, feel free to yeah, feel free to discuss it. Is, violent exploitation is violent exploitation, right? People are exposed to chemicals. I mean, my my father just passed away because of uh, exposure to Agent Orange in Vietnam. We're doing horrific things to people that have real long term, like people. It, all of labor exists on a spectrum of choice, circumstance, and coercion, right? There are people who would rather be doing other things, right, where sex work is the best of wow. bad options. And there are also people who are— So cru cruise ships is also <laughs> right. the I mean, best of bad options for, for comedians. Right. We've all done things that don't feel good, right, to, to get our goals met. And so— I think it's more important for us to be having a conversation about exploitation than pretending that there's some magic spell around sex that makes it's like prostitution has been a symbol of exploitation for so long. We've made them we've made it synonymous and we've blinded ourselves to the very real, very violent exploitation that happens across labor sectors. And we're arresting the wrong people. We're arresting the wrong people. Um. I, I definitely, we're doing it in the yeah. name of anti-trafficking, but that doesn't make it so. I remember when I was in my 20s and I'd moved to L.A. to write comedy and um, I started writing. I started interviewing and Heidi Fleiss was one of the first people I got to interview. And it was so eye opening. I mean, I don't know Do you if you know that much about her. Well, I remember Heidi Fleiss. Sure. She was brilliant. She was so smart and so interesting. And her father was a doctor and she played chess and they were Jewish. And it was like all of these stereotypes that you'd been taught your whole life. And, you know, those girls and a lot of girls um, are making, you know, tens of thousands of dollars a day. And so I think the spectrum between like the young girls in who are like babies, essentially in fucking Thailand at like nine years old and younger toward those girls who are getting flown across the world on like private jets. All right, get to the point. Well, that there is no point. I'm just saying, like, I think that the spectrum that we're talking about is so huge. Right. Would you do an OnlyFans account if you felt you could make a good income from it? That's an interesting question. I um. So, so the. I mean, I think I would. So the answer is. I think what I brought up before is that nobody's interested in me, right? No, nobody's interested in me either. I mean, in my twenties, maybe. I think you're both underselling yourself, right? Thank you. <laughs> I'm no Mateo. Well, 
<laughs> maybe that maybe that's the key to our Patreon, Dan. <laughs> um, no, you can't because you know, like that mom in California started it, and her kids got kicked out of school. Yep, there's still like that real. Well, putting that there. aside, but you can't put that aside. I'm putting it aside. Okay. I can if it's my hypothetical, <laughs> and I'm saying putting that aside. Yeah, w- would you feel? Would you, you, yeah, I'm saying, I'm saying. I'm not worried about a stigma for myself. I'm I'm just saying, uh, assuming there's no repercussions. Having your your kids bullied, right? Losing out of jobs, not being approved for leases. Like there's real material consequences. But but putting that aside, would you, would you have no problem showing your body for money? Of course. On on OnlyFans. I, I can't imagine why I would. Okay. Um, I mean, although I do think that it's important to recognize that, you know, you are operating in a patriarchal structure. Well, I'm not sure what you mean by that. If you, if OnlyFans is, what, what is I particularly, I think, friendly toward the content creators, toward the, never, the women. Fine, but nevertheless, you're still operating in and under a patriarchal... Well, I'm not sure what you mean by that. Well, I'll give you an example, right? So doing uh, OnlyFans work is perfectly legal, right? No one's breaking any laws. You're allowed to masturbate in the privacy of your own home and film it if you want to. But many OnlyFans creators have their uh, bank accounts seized. They're not allowed to engage in transactions because we are trying to protect these people for their own good by making it harder for them to engage in this work that we really want to be bad for them that millions of people choose to engage Their Instagrams then get shut down. I mean, there are all sorts of ramifications for doing that kind of work. So So so, it's protection and the name, you know, yeah, that's quote unquote unquote. Um, it, it is interesting that there's a couple of comedians that we know or that I know that, that are on OnlyFans. Um, do you do you think there's any uh, link between com- and, you, and you yourself were a sex worker and a comic? Is, yeah, it, is I this a, did more for less as a comic. Is, is this, um, <laughs> yeah, well, you know, uh, is, is this, is, do you see a connection between the world of comedy and the world of sex work? Or? I think that the, I think that both comedians and sex workers sort of exist in like similar archetypal places, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. Like we play similar roles at court, right? Like the gesture, the courtesan, right? We're both violating social rules in exchange for, you know, social liberties or whatever, but it's precarious, right? Like, you know, you're so bucking social convention. Yes, correct. Bo- yeah. Which makes you both more vulnerable and also you have more freedom than people that are choosing to, you know, stay within the constraints. Right. Yeah. You had a really good story about your vagina that I read. Oh, thank you. I'm very proud. Will, will you tell us? <laughs> no. No? <laughs> you can read it. Yeah, okay. All right. It's, there. <laughs> it's on your website, right? There's only, so, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. But we're doing a ton of different kinds of storytelling now. I mean, like we, uh, we have a, a show coming up November 30th, the old pros show at Caviar. This is, this is not just you. This is. Yeah, this is multiple. This is sex worker performers of mm-hmm. multiple varieties. We've got comics, we have storytellers, we have musicians, we have burlesque performers. You know, it's a, you know, kind of a, a throwback to the the vaudeville days, which is good. And it's a, you know, a fundraiser for old pros. We'll have a lot of our talking points there um, and ways, different ways of thinking about this very old thing. What are you doing uh, now? As far as changing the laws are concerned, you know, there's lobbying, there's calling congressmen. Yep. 
And there's those sorts of things. As far as reducing the stigma, what are you what are you doing to, to to accomplish that? Yeah, we're trying to tell different sex worker stories, and we found a really powerful lever of that is digging into the archives and finding old prose from history. Right? You know, madams really settled the West in this country. Sex workers have been builders and contributors to the communities they've been a part of for the whole time, right? We have this very narrow, you know, image in our head of what we've been told a sex worker is that's mostly informed by the sort of like white slave panic of the early 19th century. But in fact, sex workers have been business owners, sex workers have been investors, sex workers have been incubators. Like we wouldn't have jazz without the brothels of New Orleans. And I think it's important to rewrite sex workers as major contributors back into the historic narrative. Do you think sex workers are good for the institution of marriage and family? I think sex workers are good for society. And I think marriage is questionable. As a, like, marriage is questionable. Net good or not. Okay. There's a mixed bag. But a me. lot of married men, I assume, uh, were customers, I'm sure. gathering. Yeah, married men are certainly well represented among. And and do you think th- that that it's, it's good for their marriage? Now, you don't like marriage, perhaps, as an institution to begin with, but. I mean, I like my husband. Okay. But, you know. So, you, yeah, you're engaging in marriage. Yeah, correct. And if your husband wanted to see a sex worker, what would your reaction be? We've had that conversation many times. He's uh, He doesn't like that environment like sex work is not for him uh he really wants us to decriminalize it though so that he can get a massage in peace um so that would be you know well an erotic massage no he keeps going to get try to get a massage a regular legit massage because sex work is illicit right they don't openly advertise it so he finds himself you know a little too far in uh but that's okay there's google translate and that those problems so how does sex work good for society uh do you feel it's because it's a, a release for people that, that can't find sex it's other absolutely, ways? It's absolutely a release, right? It's absolutely, you know, I think more connection is good, right? I think sex workers hold space for hard feelings. I think that sex workers, um, in addition to, you know, their own contributions, right, their own families that they're raising, the businesses that they're starting, what they what they give back into the community with the resources that they bring in from sex work, I think that having a society where sex workers are are accessible uh, and not stigmatized and not shamed and not hunted is is a better world. And I think we've seen it over and over again of like what's possible when sex workers are uh, able to create their own communities. I will say this uh, uh, for myself, speaking for me, um, I don't find that kind of sex particularly satisfying because I don't feel that the woman wants to be there. Sure. Um, Sorry that that's been your experience. Well, uh... So you're saying the woman might want to be there? I'm saying there are better performers. Well, but I know it's a performance because I'm paying money. So that all kind of kills the whole thing. So you're saying nobody wants to be there? No, lots of people feel called to this work, right? Lots of people think of themselves as healers, right? Like, you know, it it seems strange to me that you'd be plagued by the, like, does my sex worker want to be here? Well, I would that... Similar to the fear of, like, does my therapist want to be here, right? And it's like... Well, no, because because I like... Because I I think one of the pleasures of sex is that you know that the other person is into it. And then, you know, you're you're turning... them on and then you know they want to be there because that's a satisfying to your ego Change, totally. it's not just a physical thing you know um, yes but if you're paying for that connection it's not really a connection now as far as my therapist is concerned you know that's a bit I think different because maybe you should start trying to fuck your therapist yeah I think there's a <laughs> I think there's a difference there because I don't it, it's not exciting to me to have somebody that wants to listen to my problems <laughs> 
It's not exciting to me <laughs> to have some. It's not exciting to me to have somebody that wants to uh, check my pulse or my or, or my uh, or my cholesterol right. levels. Right. That's not exciting. What is exciting to me is that a woman thinks I'm sexy and wants to be there. So that's sure. exciting. Yeah, I get it. You know, when people come to sex workers for different reasons, right? I'm sure. I'm just speaking for me, and I, I assume a lot of people that that's not the kind of sex that I think is particularly interesting for sure. me. That's then you know, there's no nobody what? is suggesting that we make sex work mandatory either as a provider or you no. know as from a client side. So uh, well, that might explain why to me somebody that's not really a sex worker but has decided I like Dan. I don't want to be his girlfriend necessarily, but I like him enough to enough off to charge him enough to enough to maybe charge him when I wouldn't charge literally everybody. But you want a discount, uh, right? No, 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 no. I'm saying if somebody exclusivity, if somebody is not doing it with everybody, then perhaps that I have a, at least I'm somewhat interesting to this person. But if you because have, I'm a, I, on a on a a restricted client list, if you will. So you want to be on the VIP list. Yeah. I'm saying that's more interesting to me. If okay. I have to, if I have to, branding choices that have been made. I'm confident that this is available to you. Well, no, but we, we, it is available. If I find somebody that's like, for example, there was a person that worked here at the, in the in the in, in this in the comedy cellar environment. Yeah, you're saying there is that 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 did that wasn't being paid enough. It sounds like that that no. After she had left, we kept in touch, and she and she offered that to me. Yeah, and did uh, you take her up on it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And how was it? quite enjoyable okay yeah so if so this is interesting so if now your perception is changing that some sex workers do actually want to be there right maybe this opens up a whole new world right sex therapist somebody who's maybe made a career out of you know trying no, to i don't know no. i think it's I well you'll never know you'll never know for sure i mean caitlin i guess you were you 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 were uh I imagine skilled in 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 creating the illusion that you were into the. Did did you accept literally everybody that wanted to come see you? Or I mean, I had a screening process, mm -hmm. as you know, most sex workers do. It's how we keep ourselves safe, right? But it really had more to do with like, is this person listening and like, you know, willing to, uh, you know, go through the the process I've set up to demonstrate respect for my boundaries more than it had to do with like, do I find this person interesting or attractive or compelling in some way? But were there times that you did and you actually absolutely looked forward to them? Yeah, absolutely. I've also had shifts that I really enjoyed as a waitress. Overall, it was a horrific experience. Wait, waiting tables. Yeah. Yeah, I can't imagine waiting tables. I will tell, tell you that. I couldn't do it. Yeah. I waited uh, tables for years. I didn't have that experience. People feel differently about different things, right? Yeah. We all have our own boundaries. Um, I actually kind of liked being a waitress. And, 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 and yeah, just because I didn't share that experience doesn't mean it's not true. Right. I enjoyed being an escort, right? right. I enjoyed but, being a professional companion. But were, sure. were, were there I mean, clients that you're like, oh, this guy is horrific. He's, he's smelly or whatever. He's oh physically yeah. horrific. How big a role did that play in your that's, ability to enjoy the situation? That's definitely happened. But I've also had tables that right. like sent me in yeah. the back crying. And I've had, you know, my mom is an interior designer and has like, had clients that, you know, were grading afterwards, like anyone in yeah. sales or public facing, like we've all had that. I think it's this, I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that part of what Caitlin's saying is that like, I think across industry, you can have those experience. You can have a client that is fascinating and sexy yeah. and interesting, and you can have one who's a nightmare. And so you, whether or not it's sex work or any other kinds of work, you can... 
And I exerted the same, you know, I came to this work with an immense amount of privilege both times that I was doing it. And so I was able to exert whatever my preferences were in the same way that like, you know, a graphic designer doesn't take every client, right? Like, you know, it's, you're making choices. What works for you? What works for my schedule? What, where am I at on the, did I make rent or not this month? Well, how did you ensure that your customer was a safe person to be with? That's a great question. You know, and sex workers have built these structures over time and it's a lot easier if we're able to maintain those, right? So when I was working, um, I went to a message board. This is, you know, sort of pre- Boston Sesta days, and uh, I put up an... Pre-what days? Um, it's a federal law that was passed in 2018 that tried to erase sex work from the internet and oh. like, literally destroyed all of these spaces that sex workers had created to do exactly this, to screen clients and to share Crazy. information and, sex, and keep each other safe. And it was done in the name of anti-trafficking. Amy Schumer was a big spokesperson for oh, okay. the Sesta-Fosta campaign. But anyway, uh, before that law, I posted an ad, right, with an email address that I'd created, asking clients to give me their real name and industry references of other people in the community that they'd seen. Then I would call or contact those people, right, give them this guy's name and email address, and they would either say, yes, you know, I checked, I've seen him, or no, I haven't, or I don't remember, or they wouldn't get back to me, right? But, you know, I usually, nine out of ten times, you get somebody that was able to confirm a reference. And if they didn't say anything bad happened, then that's a... That's well, what if it was somebody that's new to new to, yeah, to that sort of thing? Then they would have to go to an agency. I didn't see people that had never seen someone else before. I, mm -hmm. I, I didn't want to be the person that was like freshly setting the expectations, right? There was a culture, right? Like culture of protection, right? Culture of condom use, uh, culture of explicitly sort of articulating boundaries, right? Other people can sort of set that up and, you know, help people understand that they're stepping into a professional environment. Yeah. Max Marcus, I want to talk to you for just a brief second. <laughs> okay. Uh, you know, we, we try to engage Nicole, but she doesn't want us nothing to do with it. Yeah. So I don't know if you're, if you're of a similar mind. But how are you enjoying this discussion? I think it's great. Yeah. And, and what, have, what, have, what have you learned? And what will you take with you <laughs> as you go forward in life? Uh, I learned about the screening process. I didn't, I have not heard that specific. Now, Max Marcus, I don't know if he's ever been to a hooker or not, but y y no. you're not going to throw him out. I mean, he seems, seems so sweet and innocent. I mean, it depends on what, how his first email comes across, <laughs> you know? You ups go directly to trash. I don't have that kind of time. What's a, you up? Oh, you up. You up, right, yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I no, suppose. Um, I think that there is a really important part of this that um w w which you brought up which is that it's it's dangerous yeah it's, it's really dangerous work in large part and to have the luxury of to be able to screen people is something that not a lot of girls have every sex worker at every level engages engages this even street-based sex workers trade information with one another they keep and circulate bad date lists right in the 80s and 90s they did it with zines here, there are entire websites that are password protected, that are regional and national, that are kept by sex workers in order to keep each other safe. But all of that is made more complicated by the criminalized nature of our work, right? It's hard to advertise these, the, the safety precautions. But when you were, was it, was, uh, um, were you doing this on, uh, via the internet when you were starting? Yeah. And did you ask to see a picture or? I asked to see a picture ID before I crossed a threshold, right? So before you came into my hotel room or I stepped into, you know, like your space, 
I needed to see a picture of your ID to make sure that the person that I screened is who you... Is, is there anything about the picture that would have sent you running in the other direction? I mean, I assume a swastika tattoo on the forehead might have done that. Yeah, prop. prop. Some, something over the top, but... I think the lesson of sex work and, like, the advice that everyone gives to... What about, what about Payas? What about a Hasid? What about a Hasidic guy named Gershom... Mendelbaum. I mean, I started working in North Carolina, so that uh, wasn't, you know, like my initial experience. But I didn't, you know, I didn't discriminate. I know. Well, I'm just wondering if you, if you would assume that Gershom Mendelbaum is less likely to 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 be violent, uh, but maybe he would, maybe he wouldn't. Yeah, no. Yeah, I know enough about violence to know that, you know, that's all kinds of people too. When when you uh, do you discuss this openly with your mother? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's you know, I'm the founder and executive director of a sex worker rights organization. So it's, it's definitely not a secret. Have you ever talked to her openly about um, your experiences as a sex worker? Like, oh, you know, there's one client, he came in, he wanted a blowjob or whatever. I mean, yeah, like, I have those kinds of discussions. I've never had a sit-down conversation about, like, a day in the life at any other job that I've had. But you might. I mean, it's not inconceivable. That you no, might. it's not inconceivable. And that's one of the, you know, one of the, the, the future that we are working towards is a future where sex workers are free to contribute their wisdom, right, to the, uh, to the communities that they're already in, right? Like, you know, being able, I'm, I'm sure that if I ever have children, there'll be dating advice of like, ah, don't do this. Or like, you know, don't, you know, the, the, you know consider doing this, safety precautions or whatever wisdom gleaned, right, that I picked up uh, as a sex worker. That I hope to be able to freely and... and including share. the actual techniques of sex. Would, would you freely share that with like, each other? I'm having a hard time envisioning a, like, I don't know, Kegel conversation. But, like, yeah, if it comes up, I, I guess, you know. Now, we touched on this earlier, but uh, had there been a time when somebody, you're like, oh, my God, there's somebody so hot, so sexy, that you're like, I can't believe I get paid for this. This is, you know... Yeah, definitely, occasionally. I've had a couple of sessions where I was the paid provider and the service that was happening was that they gave me a massage the whole time. So that felt pretty surreal and special and, you know, nice. What about female clients? Um, I didn't have female clients, but there, there are female clients. Um, you know, uh, there are male providers. There are, you know, again, people of all genders, right? I mean, this is something we had Christina Hutchinson on the show. I don't know, it was probably before the pandemic. But uh, we and no one paid for her to go to a to go to a, a male prostitute. This was before my time. Oh, that was that before I, before yeah. you was it? Okay, but yeah, um, I definitely would have. I mean, there. But they, as a general matter, there. How it, was it? She seemed to enjoy it. Okay. Uh, they had a long discussion first, uh, and but but I mean, I think it's clear that now. Do you see this as a societal thing or as a natural thing that most customers are men? I don't know. A little column A, a little column B. You know, it's hard to imagine a society where men don't have most of the money, right? So that's certainly a but, part but, of but, it. But, but there okay. are certainly, you know, women, cisgendered, straight women that pay hot men uh, and in, do sex work. But but you will agree that that um, sexual sexuality in, for men and women is generally quite different. Men are more likely sure. to want anonymous or sex outside of a relationship is I more of a, ma I, a male thing. We've told ourselves a lot of stories about what's naturally true about sex that is like not grounded in reality. And if gender norms were so fucking natural, then they wouldn't have had to be so violently enforced this whole time. I don't disagree with that, but also when You don't that, disagree with me or with Caitlin? With Caitlin, that if gender norms were so normal that they wouldn't have to have been so violently instated. But you know I think that. But my... But to... However, 
that when that website got busted and like the Ashley Madison, yeah, Ashley Madison. Do you remember that? Uh, Yeah, vaguely. And like every single (laughs) client on there was like a straight cis man. So like, I guess I also agree with you. Do you know, do you remember what Ashley Madison? Yeah, like, the, uh, so the women were, who were, there were no women on the site. I mean, it was like a site if you wanted to cheat on your spouse. Yeah. Right. But, for men no. that wanted to cheat and women that wanted to cheat. Yeah, but like all of the people who okay. were, I don't know if Which they were. not to say that women aren't cheating, but no, I'm not, not going that, to a website. Like, but it was. <laughs> well, they're cheating they were with people high, they know and, and, and feel, have a connection to. Sure. Whereas the, a man will cheat with uh, anybody that's hot. They're going to a party or, you know, there are other ways to get there. But they were hiring women, weren't they? I guess so. I think I don't remember the details of Ashley Madison, but I do remember the like takeaway of like, oh, this is a site that advertised that it's people like people of different genders mixing together, and it's right, like, and you know, it was all right. percent dudes yelling at each other. <laughs> well, it was all, all the clients almost exclusively right. were men. Right. To, so to your point. Yeah, I mean, I, I do think there are some natural differences. I, I can't say with I certitude. Differences too, and I think you know, I, 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 you know, sort of cover this in the beginning of of Whore's Eye View, right? So like, you know, just, Wait, what's Whore's Eye View? It's the it's it's the one woman show covering the uh, years of that. Years. Okay, it's your one woman show. Okay, yeah, and yes. so you know, you know, talking like you know, human women, right? People with uteruses have the most dramatic menses of any man. Right, we we bleed at a level that Yikes. other mammals just don't, and so that creates an iron deficiency that we don't share with other species. So, like women needed meat in a way that like men just don't because they don't have that loss every month. At the same time, because of the unique needs of our own, you know, infants and children, it's that much harder for women to hunt, right? And so it does create this kind of like you know, in, incentiveness that I think that like, the first exchange is like sex for meat, you know? And I think that go, I think that's very old and probably predates us um, as a species, but feels woven in to, you know, biological reality. It, so whore's eye view, this is something, this is, uh, maybe you, you discussed this already, but is this already playing or you're, or you're currently working, working, I, I, workshopping it? Or? I've, I'm workshopping it. Uh, we just had our last reading this year. It'll be back on its feet again next year. And so, yeah, check out oldprosonline.org. And this, you'll be performing this, you're starting in New York, in New York City? Yeah, I've done readings all over the country because I, I take it with me. And so, we, you know, we go to conferences, we go to colleges and we go, you know, uh, about uh, I just came back from from Austin, so keep it weird. Yeah, that's what they say about Austin. It was pretty. And w- what about a book? This sounds like a, a fascinating topic for a book. I'm doing a podcast. I'm doing the show. I love everyone's content suggestions, but like what I'm choosing to do is talk into microphones about it. Yeah, and, and this maybe will, it'll be a book, but I but I'm not. And this will focus most. I mean, I I would imagine there have been books, of course, about so the history I, of so of this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thank you. So um, Amber Rose also really helped, I think, destigmatize a lot of this, too, in the past 10 years. You know, she does her slut walk in L.A. Who's Amber Rose again? Um, She's um, I think she's a musician and a model. And um, she dated Kanye West back in the day, which I think propelled her. Um even a bit further into stardom. But I mean, I'm going back like 10 mm-hmm. 10 years oh, my back sorry i just i just move funny i just i i did something at the gym sorry. and uh, my back is uh i am out of commission sex wise probably for the next couple of days i'm just probably wouldn't have had it anyway you but, never uh, know make it but i where i go hard at the gym you don't get a body like this you know if I, oh fuck i can't stand up yeah never mind yep. 
Um, the point is, is uh, planks. Planks was what did it for me. Um, Those are intense. Yeah. And I, there's this eight-minute plank workout that I got on YouTube. Oof. And this thing. A lot it, of planks. It's not eight. It's eight minutes, but you change positions. Okay. Um, and I can't do the whole eight minutes, so I'm working up to that. Yeah. That's but, a long time, isn't it? It's a fucking long time, yeah. Wait, yeah. one minute's a long time. For yeah. yeah. And How you long do, can you do? Well, you do 30 seconds per plank. You do plank on your on your forehand, on your forearm, on your elbows, and then a plank mm. on your side, and then a, then a plank where you bring your knees to your chest, yeah. and so on and so forth. You're showing me Amber Rose. Yeah. Um, so I had to take some 30-second break. Uh, this looks familiar. Well, I yeah. guess so. She's pretty interesting. So she, uh, uh, anyway. So she started a slut walk in LA. I don't remember how many years ago. Yeah, which I think is a, a powerful narrative shift, mm -hmm. right? Because it's like twenty-three million followers on Instagram. Oh yeah. shit! I'm, 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 uh, I'm not quite at twenty-three million, you know. But uh, well, anyway. thanks for lending your platform to this important issue. I really appreciate it. Well, thank. Oh, are we done? Uh, no, 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 that sounded like a wrap up. Yeah, yeah, no, you were talking about your platform, and I wanted, you know. Oh, oh well, yeah, you know, I mean, but, you know, look, it's certainly, it's, it, well, it's, uh, it's not out of altruism. It's out of you're an interesting guest to have. Oh, thank you, I appreciate that. You know, certainly, I mean, we could have had another lawyer on or something. Right, 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 right. Uh, that no one likes. <laughs> you know, but somebody I can that dig into policy, right? That, that's about somebody that's a comic, and and do, so comedy is over for you. No, I mean, I you know, I I think being a comic is a lot more like being a marine than being a sex worker. You know, like once a comic, always okay, a comic kind of thing. Um, but you know, it's it's a a superpower I bring with me wherever I go, right? Whether it's the show or whether it's media appearances or talking to donors or legislators, like. If you can make people laugh, you can make people listen. But it's certainly not my 100% focus. I am not. And, and sex work, you have you ruled that out as a potentially something I, to go back to? I, you know, I think it's important to never say never. You know, you don't want to you don't want to tempt fate. But uh, it is certainly not the most efficient use of my time right now. Well, uh, what if somebody offered you a cool 50k? Yeah, that would put them in a you know donor class, and we have a system for that. But you know, no blowjobs included at that level. Well, what level might a uh, blowjob be included at? That's, uh, that's I'm not going to start negotiating. Oh like, no, not for me. I, I don't have that kind of. We, I don't have that kind of money to throw around. Puts the whole thing in jeopardy. It doesn't work. You know. I'm not saying at, at donating to your cause. I'm saying on the side, if somebody said to you, yeah, you know, fifty grand. Totally. For and you what to get I'm saying is that like I'm not available for that right now, but oh. thank you so much for Oh, because I think Perry L's so available for fifty. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm available for fifty grand. <laughs> Great. Um But uh anyway, um what else? Uh, Why does it put the whole thing in jeopardy, though, if the whole point is to destigmatize all of this? Right, because it creates a vulnerability. It gives the people that you're in the room with a reason to dismiss you, right? Because of because of whorephobia, right? We're operating in an environment that deeply stigmatizes this work, right? So, you know, if you become the girl that's like, I don't know, fucking all of the donors or the legislators or the whatever it is, then they use the same system and apparatus of, you know, horphobia to push you out of the room. So it's for me, it's important uh, for, you know, the brand that we're trying to build, the rooms that we're trying to operate in, and also my own marriage to maintain those boundaries very strictly. And that has served me well. Now you, 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 you use it. We could be freer with erotic energy. I really do. But we can. Well, you, you use the term horophobia. Now, of course, mm -hmm. you know, phobia 
generally means fear. It doesn't, I mean... Like homophobia. Yeah, but homophobia doesn't necessarily mean fear. It usually means fear. The violence usually comes from a place of fear. Well, do you feel people fear prostitutes or they just dismiss them? No, I think they fear them. I think they're, I think they're afraid of what it would mean to let go of this very old stigma. You know? But I think they fear women, pa- women, women in power, women in power and women giving women, who, women autonomy of over course, their but, bodies. I mean, the ability to leave, right? Yeah. But, but women in power to the extent that your average prostitute has any power because many of them are exploited by pimps and, you know, they're... they're sex workers have that, like, people that are trapped in domestic violence situations don't have is the ability, the wherewithal to get resources to leave, Right. By, by making yourself available, right, to, to many men to get the resources that you need, right, to exchange cash instead of, I don't know, shelter, right? I think that that is a little bit an existential threat to, you know, the otherwise these coercive control relationships where people are trapped. I think that's why in most abusive relationships, whether the woman is ever engaged in any kind of sex work or not, right, the guy calls her a whore. Like, it seems to be this, like, you know, sort of primal primal fear. Well, I mean, the word whore has has come to mean anybody that's promiscuous. Also, you also just defined patriarchy. How'd I do that? Well, exactly what you just said was the definition of patriarchy. What did I just say? I mean, I don't remember verbatim. What did you just say when you you literally just said the the problem is? I said that... What did I say? I said that... um, are, are people afraid of it, or are people dismissing it? And then, because most women in that situation don't have any power. So, oh, I said they don't have power. Yeah. Phobia be about being afraid of powerful women. Thank you. Well, I I know some some women I guess do have power, but I'm just yeah. saying many. I don't know what percentage are don't have power, right? But some large, I would imagine, percentage don't, especially. But the structure is what whether a few women have power or not is irrelevant to the fact that the structure under which we're operating... I'm certainly men are the biggest, you know, if they were so afraid of it, we're, 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 we, meaning men, are responsible for its existence because we're 99% of the customers. You're also... So, so, uh, we're not too afraid of it to, to, to utilize it. No, but you're also you know, 95% of the people who are committing violence against women, like rape and domestic violence and murder is in large. But she's saying men are afraid of prostitutes. And I'm saying men are... Are afraid of the women they're killing. It's why they're killing them, right? Well, are the men that are going to prostitutes afraid of the prostitutes? I think it depends. I think that a lot of men that see sex workers... Uh, are afraid of a future where those sex workers have more negotiating power because they are not suffering under criminalization. I think that that is a real fear. They're not like actually afraid that the sex worker right. they're going to. Yeah, they're not is afraid going, of Ashley, right? Exactly. But like they're afraid the, that of like, the system. Well, yeah, but the, you know, if anything, I think legalization doesn't seem to make it uh, make the prices any higher or make it more difficult That's to. But it's a pa- yeah. but it's a power dynamic. Also, it increases the negotiating power of the provider, right? When you are not being hunted by the police, you have more options. Well, and also the truth is, is when you have no legal recourse, you can go and have sex with a prostitute and be like, you know what? Fuck you. I'm leaving. I'm not going to pay you. Right. And and what what can she do? She can't call the police. Or uh, even worse, uh, 
we pay law enforcement officers to, uh, you know, engage the services of a sex worker and then not pay them and arrest them instead, which feels like extra bad. Are there what what is perhaps the best country in the is there a country in the world where you look at it and say this is where we want to be the, and if we were where they are I would be satisfied the closest country right They're, they don't do it perfect but it's pretty good New Zealand decriminalized sex work in two thousand three and so uh, as an individual proprietor right you can just engage in sex work you don't need a license you don't need to fill out any paperwork but if you have more than three or four people working for you then you have to apply for a license. There are a lot of health code laws that like empower the sex worker uh, to, you know, negotiate for safe sex. Um, the penalties are not criminal, right? They're fee based, right? So what that often allows is like someone would say to a sex worker, like, "Well, I don't want to use a condom," and so the sex worker is like, "Cool, pay the thousand dollar fine, dude." Like that's not, you know, and so it, that that helps again increase the negotiating power of sex workers without Holland? creating. That's an example of legalization, and so like I am, I am pro sex worker, but I'm kind of anti-brothel. And I think Nevada is actually the best example of why. Nevada is the only state in the country with legal, regulated prostitution, and it has the highest arrest rate per capita for prostitution in the country. Because the only way to work legally is to register, right, as a legally licensed prostitute. That becomes subpoenable about you for the rest of your life. You can imagine how this plays out in child custody cases, right? You have to be hired by a brothel. And as a legally licensed prostitute, working at that brothel, you are not allowed to leave the premises of that brothel and like go to a bar or go to the movie or do anything else. You are contained and controlled by this truly Byzantine. It's a lot of right, like that is local, so fucked up. It's so fucked up. And so legalization, regulation, right, imposing like licensing schemes. We do it in the name of like protecting. But what we're doing is you you force sex workers into what becomes a deeply exploitative situation. So the brothels in Holland are better because they don't have like the long history of puritanical nonsense right. that we have. But it's a similar system that like you can't work on your own on your own terms in Got legalized, it. regulated That seems spaces. to be a really important, yeah. um, it's dif really important. differentiation that like right. I certainly was not aware of decriminalizing and yes. legalization. That's like pretty major. Legalization really only benefits the brothel owners, right? It's not a system that we want. Well, it is safe for moving criminal penalties. It's not safer for the people who are getting arrested. In it's not safer for the moms well, but who are if, losing if, if their you, kids. If you, if you are working within the system at a brothel that is registered, I'd imagine that's safer, certainly. It's not safer than working on your own where you're able to you know, keep more of your money and not be subjected to the dumb boss who you are subjected well, to. The boss, God forbid you should let women be in charge well, of the boss, the do, money. But the boss does provide yeah. some, like if somebody's being violent. They, fi they, they pay the licensing fees, right? They pay the vice tax, right? They pay but but the, the, the brothel owner... Uh, I would imagine if you're in a brothel, you're in a in a in a in a place where if there's a problem, mm -hmm. you you call for help. This the help but is right. But what down. if we don't want to be in a place that if there's a well, problem, because there's always a possible problem. Person. There's always going to be po the possibility okay, of a problem. But like what so if I'm saying, it does. To, what if we hire our own security? Oh, you like, could do that. Yeah, okay. No, you like, can't. You could do that. But I'm saying the brothel. Now it's a way worse federal charge, right? Because now not only are you engaged in misdemeanor prostitution, but if you have two people working together. Now that's an operation. Yeah, it's like, what if I don't want to go to a fucking brothel? I'm just what saying the I brothel provides provides some benefits. Maybe you don't want them. Stranger, Stranger. This what? 
This is patriarchy. He's trying to protect. No, I'm, I'm, protect I don't care about a brothel or not a brothel. I'm saying the brothel does provide something to you. I mean, it is, it literally operates like a, a prison, though, right? Like protection from from what, right? Well, if the client, the brothel owner who might a guy like Dennis Hoff, who's a big guy, but what if I don't the late Dennis want Hoff? To be yeah, but protected. Dennis Hoff was accused of sexually assaulting his. Right, well, maybe that his, was a bad example. Yeah, like you know, it's <laughs> like you know what I mean. Yeah, when you concentrate power in one dumb dude, bad things happen. That's our whole point. Just because somebody has like enough money to like pay licensing fees. Doesn't mean that they're a good steward. But I'm saying you're, you, if you're in a brothel, then you're in a place where you're not alone. Sure, but you and, and I like a place prison where you're not alone. or a mental right. institution. I, is it a prison where you're not allowed? To, I mean, I don't know. Alone. You talk about a prison. I I don't know about any of the laws regarding you can't leave and this and that. Yeah, no, because I mean, that, that's, just that's, said you can't leave. Well, right. Uh, it's hard to yeah, believe you, you literally cannot leave. So the yeah, whole so, day, so you can't you're, quit. You're, it combines everything that's terrible <laughs> about being a waitress, right? No, you're absolutely allowed to quit, right? It's, this is not this is not slavery, right? But you you know you have to pay money to get the license, the local sheriff. You have to pay for the mandatory STI test. You pay room and board, right? So you walk through the door at a deficit, right? So you have to work to get yourself out of debt, right? That so that's the system of brothels that is old and bad and can, you know, spiral relatively quickly yeah, into bad sure. outcomes, right? So that's the situation you're walking into. And uh, once your shift is over or even like throughout your shift as a theoretical independent contractor, you can't just like go to the CVS or like go to the bar because as a legally licensed prostitute according to the laws of Nevada, right? When you leave that place, if you come back, you have to do another mandatory STI test because they're trying to prevent infection. They don't want you working in the area. So they treat you, right, like a commodity to control, right? But sex workers are not commodities. We are people. We are service providers. Many of us are independent contractors. And although sex work is work, it is also sex. And living in a world that polices prostitution is living in a world, right, where you've empowered, right, the state, essentially, to govern where people go, who they fuck, why, what they wear, all of the auxiliary surveillance. And like now, can you yeah. are you listening to all this? Well, I yes, the Nevada question. laws. He doesn't believe the, me. the problem is, is that I was I'm trying to put together a fun little game to end with. And so I, had to, <laughs> I was slightly distracted about um, famous fictional prostitutes. Oh, I have. Oh, yes. Would you can I tell I mean, I can tell you about my favorite fictional prostitutes. Well, I thought I sure. would name one and you try to guess where they're from. Okay, all right, let's try. Uh, famous fictional prostitutes. Belle Watling. Belle uh, Watling. New Orleans. What about New Orleans? No, but what... what Belle what Watling was played by Mae West and was based on a real sex worker uh, called Belle Breezing. Uh, no, that she's from Lexington, Kentucky. Excuse me, I'm uh, Lulu White. She was uh, the character that Mae West played, who I believe is Belle Watson, uh, oh. is based on a courtesan named Lulu White who is from New Orleans. And I think she's from New Orleans in the film. Well, Belle Wadling was in Gone with the Wind. Oh, yes. She was based on She was on played Belle by Breezing. Ona Munson. From Lexington, and, Kentucky. Uh, well, I don't know who she was based on. but she's based she on was Belle Breezing. From the film <laughs> and, and book Gone with the Wind and was a good friend of, um, of uh, Rhett Butler. Yes, yes. Now it's all coming back to me. I like and Mae West. She, she ended up, yeah, she's but, but Mae West was not Belle Waddling. I know. No, but she I did feel play like her. we were just talking about like this really important thing and you completely sidetracked well, because this tic-tac-toe prostitute game. Mole Flanders. Mole Flanders. <laughs> Mole. Oh, gosh. 
so I want to say Midwest, but I don't. But I, I don't actually. I don't have a good picture in my head of who this is. Well, Moe Flanders is from the book Moe Flanders. Oh well, I missed that one. And uh, by Daniel Defoe. Sure. And uh, I guess she was a prostitute because she's in the Wikipedia. Did you can I tell you one of my favorites? No, I didn't because I came to you, me. It, it came to me at the last minute. It came my to me. My favorite sex worker from history. Uh, okay, that, but does that? Yeah, let's do that. But for you. I should have. But sometimes inspiration hits you when you least expect it. I feel like it's really important. Like like Archimedes in the bathtub. Okay, and he discovered buoyancy. Understand and figured out how to to tell of something with. Okay, famous prostitutes from history. Yeah. These are real ones, not these fictional. Real, these, okay. are real, these are real women. Uh, Phryne from ancient Athens, ancient Greece. F-R-I-N-Y? P-H-R-Y-N-E. Uh, wow. Little Toad, that was her nickname. Uh, but she was born um, in Thebes, uh, became a very famous courtesan, uh, and so most of her money was made entertaining the wealthy citizens of Athens, but this is at a time where we were still worshiping, you know, some of the like fertility temples. And so the city state of Athens would commission her a few times a year to uh, embody the goddess Aphrodite and dive naked into the Aegean Sea for these sort of like rituals that they would do. This is the kind of world we need to be living in. I'm telling you, right? So anyway, so she was, you know, she would dive into the sea and then like the citizens of Athens would gather and they'd be like, that's why we pay taxes. And it all makes sense. But anyway, she got pretty high on her horse. She had a, a reputation for charging clients based on how she felt about them, which, you know, resulted I love in that. some political kerfuffles. That's uh, what I would do. Yeah, there was one king that approached her at a party and was like, you know, uh, it shames me that you would charge so much. And she said, well, if I took a cent less, it would be I who was shamed. So here we uh, stand. Yeah. Uh, so that fought Friday was something else with the repartee. She was fucking great. I mean, there have been so many sex worker comics. <laughs> Gypsy Rose Lee, Mae West. I mean, like, this. there's a long but legacy. Was, was Mae West a sex worker in no, life? She played one on TV. So uh, we just did an episode about her. But anyway, so Phryne, um, you know, was this like larger than life celebrity uh, character in Athens. But the patriarchs of Athens, right, the dudes in charge, got nervous about her political power. Uh, when Alexander the Great tore down the wall of Thebes, she offered to rebuild it with her own money if they inscribed torn down by Alexander the Great, rebuilt by the courtesan Phryne, right? So she was getting, gaining real political power. So they charged her with witchcraft, which is a classic technique, specifically uh, for impersonating the goddess Aphrodite, which is wow. the gig that they hired her to fucking do, right? But the, by the way, this only sex workers have to worry about this, right? Comics and saxophone players don't have to worry about being too good at their job that they get fucking right. killed, right? But they they charged her with a capital offense, right? She was facing, you know, death, right? But she How hired, old was she at this point? Late 20s, right? So like, you know, wow. like cresting 26, 27 or something. And she'd, she'd risen to fame in her like late teens. And so uh, she hired one of the famous orators, right? A lot of the courtesans got together and pooled their money and, and hired this guy. And he famously stripped her naked in front of the jury and basically dared them. They said, if you can look at this body and see that it is not a gift from the goddess, then like it, you can't smite this woman. She, this is, she is divine, actually. And they fucking acquitted her. They acquitted her. Yeah. She got to live. Well, they said, are you going to smite her? They said, well, we just smite. <laughs> um, you mentioned the word courtesan. That, I guess, would be what we might call today a sugar baby. Mm. All kinds of sugar babies. Courtesans still exist. It's uh, 
It's a great it's word. It's a different game, right? It's a great word. But that's yeah. not just your run-of-the-mill sex worker. That's somebody that's... It's that, like the difference between, you know, uh, working as a waiter or working as a sommelier, right? Like everyone's working in food service, but there's absolutely status differentiations. But these courtesans would stay with the same guy for long periods of time? Everyone worked differently. So, you know, Friday would entertain people for, you know, a night or a week. But yeah, most courtesans would be, you know, sort of kept by one main person for long periods of time. You know, so that is sort of a, su- a sugar baby kind of an arrangement. It depends, right? They're again, people are running their own business models. There's a lot of there's a lot of different different strategies. I'm really committed to circling back to this brothel thing so that you really get on board with why it's so fucked. Well, well first of all, I don't need to get on board with everything you think. No, you don't need to get and, on and, and, board, and but so- I feel like it's fundamentally like a huge issue. I, uh, I'm I'm with you. Well, I mean, it sounds like a, 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 a lengthy topic. Okay. It's not that it's not that long. You're saying that a, a brothel is never the right choice for no, a sex worker? No, it's not that it's never the right choice. It's that creating a state-enforced monopoly. You're saying that you have to be in a brothel is, is that's a bad thing. Right. Okay, that's fine. Right. That, and yes. My point was that, that there might what, be women that would prefer that environment. Absolutely, right? Not everyone is an entrepreneur, right? There are people that choose to do this work that want to like go to a place, log their hours. They don't want to advertise. They don't want to deal with the sure. phone shit. But that, that's the only way in which you can... Okay, well, that's, a, that, that, that I can agree really with with, uh, with you okay. that, uh, you that know... we can move on now. Thank you. Yeah, with you that, you know, if you're going to legalize it, then, uh, you know, I mean, I guess there has to be. So what 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 regulation should there be in a in a, in a think, legal uh, prostitution environment? I think in a in a future where no one is being arrested, evicted, fired or loses custody of their kids just for engaging in this work. I could see some common sense regulations around like advertising. Right. I could see communities getting together and being like, we don't want ah, billboards for. Sorry, I just turned work. the wrong way with my back and all. You know. right, yeah. Um, you know, like uh, advertising. I think that there's like community standards around public nuisance or traffic, uh, et cetera, that could be, you know, uh, ping-ponged about. But again, that would be a future where no one is being w- w- Would you agree just- to, would you agree to a woman has to have a license? Uh, no, and, no, because it all. creates a two-tiered system. So that a right, woman that with- only prevents the, the most vulnerable, right? People, because like I said, people dip in and out of this, right? People come to sex work because- they need a few extra hundred dollars to, to pay rent and creating a licensing system, right? So like, first of all, I would never suggest that anyone put themselves on a stigmatized list, right? We've we've played this game too many times before, but also you, you end up creating a system where the people that are either unwilling or unable to get that license are still subjected to the same level of exploitation. They can't call the police. If something bad happens to them, they can't report. I mean, like we have doctors and we say the doctor has to have a certain degree of qualifications. Right. Uh, for a sex worker, you, you would not be in favor of she has to be disease free, say. Uh, I think that people want to it's take too care inv- of their t- people want to take care of their physical health and their bodies. So I would be fine with like making STI uh, testing and access free to sex workers, but I wouldn't. I'm not comfortable with mandatory. You know, putting yourself on a stigmatized list, okay. mandatory test. So would the buyer would have to be caveat emptor. Okay, the, sure. the client would have you to. You should be using condo. Yeah, absolutely. What we see in Nevada, by the way, with all of this, like. The, you know, sex workers just are tested every week. It's made public. It's a whole thing. And what you see is it actually incentivizes the client to try to get away with not using the condom because they're so confident that the provider is is clean, right? And it really, like, it doesn't, it doesn't help, right? And this it comes back to this foundational idea, right? Sex workers are not commodities. We are service providers. Um, 
if you have anything, I, th- I I'm, I'm ready to wrap it up here. But if you have anything you'd wish to add, fascinating. Max, thoughts, <laughs> uh, questions, uh, or thoughts? No, I've no, I have no extra thoughts on it. I thought it was. I think you, very sound people are all the same. <laughs> sound people, God forbid, you ask them to say something. Well, there's a reason why they sit back there, yeah, they, hidden by by like you know twelve screens. He's a little more choices. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, thank you, Caitlin Bailey. And so we should, I guess we can, people can find you, obviously. Totally. Oldprosonline.org. Uh, Oldprosonline. So that gives you all the. Uh, we have a ton of events coming up. Events. In New York. And how. Across the country. If people want to get involved in the destigmatization and legalization. Decriminalization. decriminalization of <laughs> prostitution. Uh, a cause that I think is, I, I'm certainly not against it. I may not be one of my top causes, uh, but I certainly uh, am in favor of it. Great. You know, uh, why not? Uh, people, as Call I said, win. people, as I said, should be free to do what they wish with their bodies, and um, adults should anyway. Um, Periel, I uh, got the ping pong photo today. Periel, oh, I, I, there was a photo of me just briefly back in 1984 playing ping pong in gym class, freshman year of high school. Yes, I'm dating myself, but there you have it. Um, and somehow it made it on eBay. Uh, I don't know who took this damn picture. I guess it was a local paper. I thought it was an interesting story. And two people playing ping pong in gym class. No, no, no. It's not two people. It said it was you. It was no, it was me, Mark Lotstein. Right, they were right, comedians. And these two other comic, uh, these two other com- these two other <laughs> freshmen that were watching us. Right, but the whole point was that it was comedian Dan Natterman. Comedian historic images. Didn't say comedian. Did I'm it? Pretty sure it did. No, not in the version that I saw online. And probably not when you were like a freshman. No, but they're saying like, oh, the reason people put it put it up on yeah is because it's this. you. Well, I anyway, uh, he some put a post figure. on. You are a public figure, <laughs> but he put a post on Instagram that said that he found this of him and Mark Lotstein or whatever his name is. Yeah, well, Mark Lotstein's the one that alerted me to this. Hi, Mark. Um, I don't know if he listens, but um, well, shout out if you're here listening. And then he said, Dan said that how this photo of me and Mark Lotstein playing ping pong in 1984 wound up on <laughs> and eBay. Only God knows. Well, I didn't think it was quite that funny, <laughs> but, um, but but I'm glad you did. I did. It made me really but, laugh out loud. And um, I immediately bid on. Well, I didn't bid on it. Actually, I just bought it. Well, how much was it? I don't I don't want to disclose that. Okay. Like $11? No. Oh, right. Well, I'm sure it couldn't have been too much. Well, you never know. Well, I can't imagine it would be particularly uh, expensive. But um, Framed or unframed? Unframed. Okay. Original image. I think. I haven't opened it yet. You got to do the- I'm going to bring it in yeah. next time. I was, I, we're going to do an un, an unveiling. Okay. That Well, I look forward to seeing <laughs> it. Uh, I don't think I really look like me in the picture. It's not the clearest, but- um, Can you pull yeah. it up? Uh, I have it. No, uh, Max would have to pull it up. No, I have it on screen. Instagram. Right, that I, I doesn't help people Inst- watching this that you have it on Instagram. I can go to, oh, you, to you, Instagram. You, you can, or you you know what you can do? You can just Google Natterman Lotstein ping pong, I think, and that should do it for you. Ping pong has become um, very popular. Well, at- I was doing it before it was cool. Right. Well, maybe you made it cool. Me and Mark Lotstein made it cool. What is Mark Lotstein doing these days? I'm not sure what he does. Uh, he's um, he's on his, I believe, second marriage. Or he, um, I think he has a couple of kids. He's divorced. Uh, he's either in second marriage or in. He's with somebody. Yeah. Um, 
And uh, I just see him on Instagram. I don't know what he does for a living. But And this is like one of like your really good friends. No, 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 no. No, no we were ping pong rivals. Rivals? You were ping pong rivals? No, we, we weren't close, but uh, the truth of the matter is, is I, you know, I probably talk more with him now than I even did then, there just on, on Instagram. It's a cute picture. It's amazing. I can't wait to get this thing framed. Well, can you blow that A up? little more than $11. I... Oh, it's a little more than one does. I I think you can't do it on eBay though. I think you have to go to Instagram because once it's sold, it's gone. Yeah, go to my Instagram. There we go. There you go. That's not my Instagram. Oh, there there it is. So that's me wearing uh, <laughs> Nike sneakers, and I don't know, and and it, and I I think I remember that amazing that that um, sweat jacket I'm wearing. That's an Adidas sweat jacket. I believe I bought, my father bought me on a trip to Montreal because my parents are from there. So we used to go there all the time. Um, I believe that's what that is. It is rolled up and, and, and looking on or two, looking on in awe are uh, Herman Huang. <laughs> and I forgot the name of the other guy. I'm also enjoying it. It was an Italian name. And then there's some other pictures. Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, so once again, thank you, Caitlin and old pros. Online. online. Thank you so much. And Periel, uh, at, yeah, Periel, and, we, and we, we didn't talk about your new project, but we will. Well, Stupid, well, S-T-O-O-P-I-D, which is her cartoon animated series that she produced. And uh, I guess uh, I was in one of the episodes. It's basically interviewing comics on the stoop here at the Comedy Cellar, and they cartoonified. Congratulations. Thank you. We're going to do that at the top of the next show, not when everybody's already logged off. (laughs) Fair enough. We will. Well, you want to talk about it? We will talk about it. I don't think I don't know how much time we'll devote to it, but five, ten minutes should should suffice. Plenty. Um, Thank you again, everybody. And we'll see you next time on Live from the Table. (laughs) Thank you, Maxwell. Yeah, no problem. Now I have to get up from this chair, which is not going to be. You okay? Are you? No, I'm not okay. I have.